Welcome to part three of our very special Christmas interview with Suzanne Adams. Once again, this interview is being presented without commercial interruption. But please do feel free to support this effort by going to Amazon.com and buying one or more of my books. In this episode, we talk about Suzanne's life after Nutrier, from saving forests to her current work teaching dyslexic children. We'll talk about how the events of her life informed her views at Nutrier, and we might get her to share a few favorite memories along the way. Here now is part three of my interview with Suzanne Adams, which we will join in progress. I have a sort of strict format that I adhere to, but I'm going to be very clear at the beginning of the show that not today. <laughs> oh, good. <laughs> oh, Dwayne, this is just this is just wonderful. You know, the funny thing, uh, after leaving Nutrier, and I only left because my deal with my husband was when he retired and he was older than I, we would go west and live in the mountains. And had that not been a promise, I wouldn't have left Nutrier. My fingers were dragging on the concrete. When we uh, but we lived in the mountains. What, what year? What year did you leave? Oh gosh, uh, I took a leave of absence for two years. <laughs> I, mean, I could have come back, you know, in case it didn't work. I think my final year was nineteen ninety three, but I then it would have been ninety one that I stopped teaching. Right. I think that's right. And and the and the first year you taught theater was seventy seven, ish. Okay. All right. Okay. Sorry. Go ahead. Anyway, so there we were in the mountains in an unincorporated area. It's not on any map. It was absolutely gorgeous. It wasn't any theater. Uh, there weren't any schools. Uh, there wasn't anything. Uh, but what there was was enormous fire danger and the destruction of the beautiful forest by the mountain pine beetle. So I learned how to identify mountain pine beetles. And uh, it's the same kind of thing. It's life. You know, so I learned how to deal with the draw knife and take the bark off a tree and tell what stage of development the beetles were in. And then I'd go from community to community and taught people how to work against the pine beetles. And I started a newspaper that uh, the Pinebrook Press that talked and a, and a company, um, the Beetle Busters. And so for 20 years, I did that. This is incredible to me. I didn't know any, it, it, and on the one hand, it's in, it's incredible, and yet I'm I mean it's amazing, but I'm also in a very real way not surprised at all. It just it seems like of course that's what you would go do. All of that is is amazing, and then uh, uh, and and then having saved the world from the pine beetle. <laughs> oh, I saved our community. I actually did. That's uh, incredible. Well, I'm I'm not at all surprised. <laughs> And then when we came here to Charlotte, no pine beetles. Right. And uh, so I started teaching dyslexic children. And that's the same sort of thing. You know, we, uh, what part of the brain is activated for a dyslexic child in contrast to the way a typical brain reacts? And how do you access that part of the brain? And so I thrashed around looking for the best program, finally found the best program. And uh, man, oh, it works. And these kids get two years of attainment for one year of tutoring. And that tutoring is just twice a week for an hour each time. So two hours a week for a year comes up with two years of academic achievement. 
with anyone else, I wouldn't believe that. But with you, I'm 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 not surprised at it's all. It's not me. It's the program. But it's it's finding. It's, yeah. <laughs> well, it is. It is. No, it is. I'm going to go with a combination there. <laughs> <laughs> but wow, that's and that's that is absolutely amazing. I, and it doesn't surprise me. So I'm not going to ask you to pick a favorite student or students who Good. who you worked with because I know you couldn't do it. But I will ask, as I ask every guest, if you have a particular production in those years that you were at Nutrier, is there is there one special kind of group or if there, there's one time that really stands out for you as for whatever reason, and it could be just personal to you, or is there something that stands out to you as as special and different for you? I'm not going to be able to answer that. Um, <laughs> you can ask me, but I, I will... <laughs> I will have to tell you that, you know, I had to be at the graduation ceremonies for each class. Each class I'd cry. There will never be another class like that. Uh, right. I, I, yes, there were people, of course, that I still am close to and and will remain riveted in my memory forever. But the whole process was so sacred. Uh, Jung said, the shortest path to your life's goal is the detour. And as you can tell, I did a lot of detours before I got to Nutria. I was 40 before I started teaching. So. Wow. I hadn't, I, I hadn't even done the math on that. That's incredible. Uh, yeah. yeah. So during the detours, I picked up a lot of, um, Signals, <laughs> street signs, and, and uh, pathways. But and, those tours gave you the ability, as you as you said earlier, you came with a very specific set of ideas about what was right and what was wrong, and how theater was being taught, and how you wanted to do it. And you know, and before we started the broadcast, it was talking about how this process at Nutrier, this sort of apprenticeship thing that that we went through, but more importantly, how Nutrier essentially made a concerted, direct, and intentional effort to systematize excellence. And a lot of that in, in talking to you today, I realized that there were, you know, that the, there were incredibly talented people. There were the Gills and there was Doc Peterman and there was Toby Nicholson and and uh, Robert Boyle and, and Shakespeare. And uh, there are all those people. But I, I keep coming. It, it's amazing. The reason why all of us keep coming back to the name Suzanne Adams is that a lot of what I've heard from you today was a lot of that systemization and a lot of the focus of that uh, that effort to systematize excellence and to consistently turn out this same level of performers and professionals comes from this attitude that you that you brought. And that, in fact, I'm guessing that those detours essentially gave you the ability to have when you walked in the door, because you had a vision, did you not, when you walked in? I did. I I was very clear and had been since high school about what an actor should be and what theater was, a holy place. I think our toad talks about the holy actor, and I, and I, I feel that, too. The temple of art. Yeah, 
a liberal art that is liberating, that liberates the spirit. But there was a historic situation, too, that worked in my favor very much. At this time, we'd had Nutra West and Nutra East, mm -hmm. and they were coming together. So we had two theater companies and not uh, not companies, but two ways of teaching theater that had different vocabularies. And we talked at East about subtext. At West, they talked about what's beyond the Viola Spolin um, theater games kind of vocabulary. So we were going to end up with a lot of really confused actors if we didn't bring things together. So I was really lucky in being asked by Mr. McGee at that time to work on the four-year curriculum. So I plowed right in and came with my, my banners floating behind me and introduced all these ideas into the curriculum. And I I just looked recently at the description of courses at Nutra, and they're very similar to what we made up in those days. Well, and I think also, uh, it, and it must be, I assume that it's extremely gratifying to you today to look at the fruitage. I mean, it, you look at the guests that we have on this podcast, there are a lot of Academy, there's an Academy Award, a lot of Emmys, some Tonys, there's a, there's a lot of accolades that are sitting, you know, one layer in front of the work that you did. That's got to be, I mean, that I, I can't imagine what that must be like to have put together a curriculum like that and to now look back and to be able to see the sort of fruitage, if you will, of, of that work. That's I, I that I I assume you look at it and, and at some point you you think, wow, well that that worked, that was great. I mean, how do you feel about that now? I I mainly feel that I was blessed that I <laughs> I just I was in the right place at the right time with a with experiences that proved to be helpful, I hope. And I wonderful people to work with. I considered Nutra students co-explorers rather than students. We were all looking for the answers. We were all searching together. We were we were a team. Of, and in a in a place where I had space to do what I wanted to do. It was I had so much more freedom teaching at Nutrier than I did as head of a theater company, where you would think I could have made all the decisions. I could have made all the decisions, but there were commercial things I had to think about. Would people come see this play? You know, could I pay my actors, my technicians? You know, that was how is that going to work? I didn't have to worry about all of that. I know you and John talked about this, but for instance, uh, I decided to do Cyrano, Cyrano de Bergerac one year. 1983. <laughs> I, and that and, was I, I that was uh Jim True Frost is a, a, a screen and stage actor Rain Wilson obviously the great Rain Wilson is Christian and Stacy Grinius who I uh, I knew very well because uh she was Roxanne she was uh Tom's younger sister and their dad was my boss at the Winneka Community House Theater so uh -huh. I remember Cyrano very very well yes well, Cyrano, for instance, how do you costume it? I had $20,000 to go to New York, decide on the costumes. Mm. Back. Uh, you know, whatever. And the gills created just what I needed. 
Oh, and it, it was wonderful working with him. Another Gill moment, I've touched on the Gills, but just, uh, I did the Miracle Worker. And that moment where Helen has her hand under the pump and she suddenly realizes that what she's been calling Wawa means water. There's a name for it. She associates the sound with the word. And it's, no, that, it makes sense. I didn't realize until I think the first dress rehearsal that the gills were sneaking up the lights just a little bit on that moment. You, know, you wouldn't notice unless you were watching as a director, but I didn't tell them to do that. What a brilliant choice. Yes, thank you, Gills. So the people I was working with, the freedom and scope I was given, the students and the trust that they gave. It was all it was all just wonderful. It is magic. You know, it's, it's funny that I, I I talk about this off the air a lot with a bunch of the people that that my point in doing the podcast is a as a uh, I've called it an audio love letter to this time. Yes. But you've hit on something that's just really that it is truly there are unique, special, and magic moments in history uh, everywhere. It is incredible to me to look back on this and to realize just how special that was and just what a unique and incredible sort of it's like you couldn't possibly have arranged the kind of superstar collision uh that ends up happening in this time with the the students who i am still i'm stupefied that i was fortunate enough to even get to know the the the, the staff people like you that that as you just said the gills that all everything that worked together and i hadn't been aware of and it, it, it's silly one of the things that you've said today that really kind of blew my mind was of course mr mcgee he had to be you know we we couldn't have there there are a number of plays that i now realize you know what today i'm i could i could see a group of parents not saying yes to that <laughs> the things that we just did um so it is it's in, it is kind of a it it is magic this this kind of moment there and i i'm i'm intensely grateful for it and so it, it it's it's cool and i i do remember the miracle worker by the way was that well folks i rarely interrupt my own podcast but Suzanne and i just keep on talking so we're going to need to pick this up tomorrow nutria performing arts stories is a copyrighted production of narratives incorporated it is written directed produced and in this case, well, a bit abruptly edited by yours truly, Dwayne Burkhardt. For more information, or to suggest a guest or sponsor for our podcast, please email info at NutriRPADStories.com. And join us tomorrow for part four of this very special four-part Christmas interview with the legendary Suzanne Adams. And there may be a special extra present for you under the tree as well. Thanks for listening. We'll see you next time.